in the middle of a sermon series called The Theology of Ted Lasso. Each year we try to engage pop culture, movies, other things, and try to come at it from a theological lens. I do this because narrative is so powerful. Narrative shapes our values, our identity. It helps us make sense of the world. Stories are so powerful. This is why, in part, the Bible is filled with them, right? And so there's no more powerful stories in, our, in today's world than movies, film, television. And so how do we engage it as Christians? So Ted Lasso season one. For those who have no idea what I'm talking about, I'm going to give you like a 30-second overview so this is going to make sense. Ted Lasso is a show, 10 one-half-hour episodes about a Division II college football, not even Division I, coaching football in the U.S. They win a Division II championship. He has tension with his wife. She wants space. They're trying to make it work, but it's not, nothing's working. So to give her space, he takes a job coaching in the soccer Premier League in Britain. So he goes to Britain, thousands of miles away, to coach a sport he literally doesn't know anything about. He doesn't even know the rules of soccer. He takes his very good friend, Coach Beard. He has to tell him episode by episode what the rules are. The reason he gets this job, not knowing what's going on, because the British Premier League is like the biggest deal in Europe. It's huge, right? Is because the owner of one of the British Premier teams, Rebecca, uh, she's a big part of the show, she hires him because she's inherited the team in a messy divorce. Her husband, Rupert, is rich. He was the owner in the divorce. She gets the team. She decides, I'm going to run it into the ground. I'm going to get back at my husband. The only thing my husband really loves is this stupid soccer team. I'm going to ruin it, right? So at every turn, she's kind of undermining Ted Lasso, trying to ruin it. And that sort of creates this dynamic or this, um, this tension in the show. So uh, that should be enough. I'll set up the clips. So today I want to talk a little bit about the lost sheep and how I see this connecting to Ted Lasso in these last few episodes we watched on Thursday. And I want you to stop for a minute. So I, this, little, this little sheep, I love it, right? This is how many of us feel, shorn and thin and fragile and out in the world. And I want you to stop for a minute and just let it sink in that God will never stop pursuing you, ever, ever. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can say. There's nothing you can believe or fail to believe that will keep God from pursuing you diligently every day, desiring to have you back in the fold. And you can be lost. Like growing up, I used to think of the lost sheep as like, well, they're like the unbeliever, right? Surely some unbelievers are lost. That, that's, but believers can be just as lost, I can be just as lost outside the fold, distant from God, feeling alone, disconnected, on the wrong track, not even understanding why I feel the way I do, trapped in a horrible relationship, a bad job. We can be as much the lost sheep as anyone else, right? And God recognizes it and will never stop pursuing us. So you have to let that just sink over you. That's just such a beautiful thing. That you, it's not about the worst thing you've ever done. It's not about where you happen to be right now. God is offering you welcome and love he wants back in the fold we want to, he wants the angels to rejoice in our returning right for ted lasso his lost sheep is jamie tot jamie tot just a sexy little baby <laughs> <laughs> so jamie tart is the best player on the team he is amazing 
and he will not buy into the lasso way. So by this point, episodes five, episode six, Ted has won over Roy, the old curmudgeonly older player, right? He's won over many of the players. They recognize he doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to soccer, but when it comes to being a human being, when it comes to life, when it comes to like treating people well, he knows it. They want to be like him, but not Jamie. He can't give it up. He is selfish. He's a prima donna. It's all about him to the extent that literally when he scores a goal, this is what he does. When he scores a goal, he points to the crowd and says, me, me. He points to the Jamie Tart, right? And so Ted is beside himself. He's tried all of his mind, Jedi mind tricks. He's done everything he can to try to get him in the fold and he can't do it. So in my mind, Jamie is the wandering sheep, right? And here's the thing about the, the sheep and the herd, right? They need each other. The team needs Jamie. They need him. He's the best player. If they don't want to go to relegation, and by the way, this is a weird thing in the British Premier League. You can be relegated, which means if you come in last place, you're no longer in that league. You get bumped to the minors. So like the money, attendance, everything goes down. You're now in the minors if you finish last. You have to win the championship of the minors to get back into the Premier League. You don't want to be relegated. So they're facing relegation. There's a lot at stake. They need Jamie Tart, but Jamie Tart needs the team. He needs Coach Lasso. He needs to become part of it. One of my favorite lines, Ted Lasso says, you're so interested in being one in a million that you forget that you're one of 11 on the field, right? And when you can learn that, there's no telling how great you could be. When you learn that, that's when you'll grow. The, f the herd needs the one, and the one needs the herd, but Lasso isn't sure how to do this. So it's coming to a bubbling point, and the issue is from the whole team. What's, what's Ted going to do? Like, Jamie won't put his hand in. Jamie's like, won't pass. I mean, it's just it's getting worse and worse. So we'll see what Ted does. Two for Jamie Tart and Richmond are level in the 38th minute. He's a special player, Ollie. And you have to wonder, where would Richmond be without him? I'll be right back. We certainly haven't seen this before. Ted Lasso is running into the stands. Well, where the hell's he off to? Not slowing down on those steps. Some real impressive cardio from Ted Lasso there. Hey, Rebecca. Hello, Ted. You're doing great, Dad. Yeah, you got this. Thanks, guys. Uh, I want to bench Jamie, but I didn't want to do it without checking with you first. But Ted, you're the manager, so whatever you decide, you have my full support. Thanks, boss. All right. Hey, alligator. Bye, Dad. And it appears Coach Lasso has decided to rejoin the match already in progress. Hey, warm up. You're going in. Let's go. Come on. Hey, highlight it. We got ourselves a sub. 16's going in from nine. Okay. okay. Appreciate you, sir. Thank you. <clears throat> okay. Well, it looks like Lasso is making an early substitution here. He's bringing Roberts on and he's taking off. Jamie Tart. 
so he sits him, which seems like the obvious decision until you realize this never happens in professional sports or college sports. I don't care what kind of a human being you are. If you're good, you play, right? Because if we lose, coach gets fired. We get relegated, coach gets fired. This is about my job. This is like big money. This is big power, big, a lot on the line. But, uh, right, but this is what's required. This is what's right. This is what's necessary. So he sits him. Here's how, here's how Jamie responds. So the next clip is the day after. They're going to meet for practice, and Jamie Tart says, oh, I'm so sorry I can't practice, coach. I'm hurt. So then you'll see what happens. He's not hurt, obviously, but. How's Jamie doing? What? Says he can't practice today. Says he's hurt. Hey, James. I heard you're not going to be able to run with us today. Is that true? Yep. Why is that? Because I'm at. Really sorry to hear that. Relax, Ted. It's just practice. Hey, if you can't practice, you can't practice. You're hurt, you're hurt. It's as simple as that. But it ain't about that. At all. You're sitting in here, you're supposed to be the franchise player. And yet here we are, talking about you missing practice. We're talking about practice. You understand me? Practice. Not a game. Not a game, not the game you go out there and die for, right? Play every weekend like it's your last, right? No, we're talking about practice, man. Practice. You know you're supposed to be out there. You know you're supposed to lead by example. You're just shoving that all aside. And so here we are, Jamie. We're talking about practice, not a game, not the game. We're talking about practice with your team, with your teammates. The only place that we get to play together, we got control over. Rest of the time, it's us 11 against those 11. We're talking about practice, man. I'm talking about practice, and you can't do it because you're hurt, right? It's fine by me. Tell you what, do me a favor. Will you get out there? Set the cones so the other reserves can do a little passing drill. You want me to set up? Woo! So this is what I love. I mean, I love so much about that. Here's what I love. The word practice gets inverted. Have you guys, do you guys remember Allen Iverson? Anyone, anyone watch the NBA? He had that whole famous thing. Allen Iverson didn't want to practice, and the media was asking about it. And he was like, you're just talking about practice. Like, I'll be there for the game. It's just, just it's practice. He, like, dismisses it. This is like a reverse. Like, this is practice. This is the only time we get to be a team when it's not us against them. It's practice. Like the most important thing you could do is practice. It's not the game. It's not the game. It's now. It's practice. I love that. That's life. It's not the decision. It's not the big moment. It's every day. It's the little things you do every day. It is the practice. It is gathering. It is community. Okay, so here's my congregational question, though. What is Ted doing? If, if Jamie is the lost sheep and you want to bring him into the fold, you've benched him. He now has to go set up cones for the second string players, during, right? Like, why would you do that? You're just going to push him further away, aren't you? Like, why wouldn't you coddle to what he needs or what he wants? 
If you need him to win, if you want to bring him back, if you want to make sure you don't get relegated, why would you do this? What's, what, what's Ted doing? What do you think? Uh, Bob said, showing him what he's missing out on. What do you mean? Yeah, that maybe from watching from the sidelines will remind you of how much you need this, how much you love it, how much being part of a team matters, right? Like taking it away shows you how important and significant, how fragile this is. What else? Why would he, why would Ted do this? Yeah, Nancy. Yeah, yeah. So maybe this is I like to believe it's about what's best for Jamie. If it's not about winning, then it's about how to become a human being. And part of that is saying, you don't get to act like this. Humbling yourself is a requirement to being part of this team. That's what it means. You want to be part, like the invitation's here. You want to be part of the team? Awesome. We'll never take that invitation away. You can always be part, but you're going to have to do X to do it, right? Yeah. Yeah, so the comment for those online, it's, it's like um, that Jamie thinks he's valuable because he's good and everyone else thinks he's valuable because he's good, but they, he, he doesn't feel love for who he is as a human. What else does he have besides soccer, which is always very fleeting? Part of this is like recognizing like if you can get rid of that facade, then you can actually be part of a group, a community, a team that loves you for who you are, not just what you do, which is very, it's not lasting at all, Right? It's so easy to think, I am what I produce. I am what I do. I am, I'm loved because of what I give. And instead of thinking about this as like uh, an acceptance more broadly for who Jamie is. Yeah. Hmm. And the glory that get, uh, you know, people gather around 
Yeah, that's beautiful in terms of like putting it in church context. I listened to the Mars Hill podcast about Mark Driscoll, where one person becomes so much the church that then that ego swells, the, the influence they have swells, and then there's a, it divides everybody, right? It, it, like it becomes detrimental to the whole organization. And so many organizations, so many churches do this, right? Uh, success, attention, praise leads to a, a caste system, and then into division. Like if he treats Jamie differently than anybody else, then the team gets divided. It, it, it destroys the whole morale. Like he has to become one of 11 or one of 50 or however many are on the team. But that means I'd bench anyone else. If it's really not about winning, if it's really about doing what's right, learning how to be human, learning how to be a team, learning to grow, how do we become virtuous, hardworking teammates, right? Well, then I have to do what's right by the, by the whole. Like I see this as being incredibly like, courageous and will benefit Jamie, will benefit the team. Yeah, Mark. I think part of what Ted is doing too is he's speaking for the other members of the team. He's saying what they already know, that this toxic behavior will never allow us to be a team, it will never allow us to win. And so he's confronting it, not only to help Jamie, but to affirm the other people. Mm. He's giving a voice to those that don't have a voice. He's, and you see it after he scores the second goal. They tied. It's a huge moment. And the team is just dejected. And Jamie's doing this, me, me. And they're just off to the side. And he, he sees it and then says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bench him, right? This is dividing the team. This is ruining us. This is crushing us. At one point, he says, we're broken. I, this is so easy to see when we watch it on a show. And it's so hard to live it in our lives so hard to do this. So I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about us playing the role of Ted or the shepherd from Luke 15. And then I want to talk about us playing the role of sheep or the role of Jamie. We okay with that? So I'm going to try to see if we can't infuse our lives into this. Here's what I think Ted does in part to Jamie. He's been making requests so I'm gonna, if you can put it up here. He's been making requests. He's been saying, Jamie, I need you to be a team player. Jamie, I need you to pass. Jamie, I need you to put your hand in. And Jamie refuses because guess what people can do to requests? They can refuse them. No, thanks. I'm not going to do that. Nope, not going to do it, right? Many of us make requests all the time. Some of them people are like, okay, I'll take you up on that. Other times, no. But at some point, Jamie's gone so far, Ted draws a boundary. And boundaries are not requests. Boundaries are if-then statements. Boundaries are, if you don't start doing this, Jamie, you're not going to play. You don't get to refuse it, right? Because I'm the coach. So that's what, this is like parenting. Like parents can make requests. Like, hey, uh, I'd really like you to go outside. And then the kid's like, no, I'm not going to go out. They can refuse a request. A boundary is, if you don't go outside, you just lost screen time, right? I just made a boundary. Like, it's going to happen, right? A request and a boundary is different. A request asserts a want or a need respectfully. Hey, could you please do this? Like a boss, you come in, you make a request of someone. Hey, I need this from you, right? Um, a boundary is a limit. This is not going to be crossed. If you cross it, this is what's going to happen. If you keep doing this, employee, you're going to get written up. You're going to get terminated. This is not going to happen anymore, right? Ted has made requests for five episodes 
Jamie's denied them. He's now drawn a boundary. Boundaries are required. Boundaries are necessary. Boundaries are needed. Boundaries are important in relationships, parenting, at work. And it's not just for you that you draw a boundary. I do draw a boundary for me, but literally it's for the other person. The best kind of boundaries are going to help them be better. The best boundaries make kids better, make employees better, make players better. But it's really hard. It takes follow-through. It takes courage. It takes guts. If Ted wants the team to be a team, they want him to be united, if he's going to humble Jamie, if Jamie's going to fall in line, Ted has to draw boundaries, and that's what he does. And the next day, the press says, are you going to keep sitting Jamie Tart on the bench, your best player? And he says, that's up to Jamie. He knows what we need from him. But I've got, I, just, I drew a boundary. I drew a line in the sand. He can play when. And I want to say that this is in part what happens to us as lost sheep. I don't think God ever stops extending an invitation. Come back to the herd. Come back to the team. Come back to the community. God is perpetually saying, come on, come on, come on. You are welcome. But I can't stop being lost if I'm still stuck in my fear and my anger and my insecurity, in my addictions, in my habits. I can't actually join the team if I'm putting myself out on an island. As much as God wants to welcome me, as much as Ted Lasso wants to welcome Jamie, until we submit to what God is asking of us, it's hard to join and to be a part. So some of you are in a position where you need to draw some boundaries. And it's going to be better for you and if you do it well, it's going to be better for your family, for your friends, for your colleagues, wherever you have to draw boundaries. I feel like Sullivan did that. It's going to be better for him. And there's an opportunity now for these other people to learn and grow from it. But I want to focus for a minute now on us as lost sheep. And what might it take for us to listen to the call of God? Because we're all Jamie Tart to one extent or another, right? We're all Jamie Tart. What would it take for us to join the fold, to come back to community, to come back to the Lord? And I think Ted Lasso gives us a great example of what we might need to do. And what you're going to see here is a ritual they have to break the curse because the team believes that the training room is haunted and it's cursed. And anyone who goes through ends up injured, dead, sick, something goes wrong. So Ted Lasso says, we're going to have a ceremony and we're going to break this curse once and for all. And you're going to see what they do. Hey, boss. Glad you could join us. Uh, Roy, why don't you get things started for us? Um, I was nine when I got scouted by Sunderland and uh, I'd never left London before. My granddad drove me all the way there and it was freezing and I was terrified. <laughs> Something. When I got there, he gave me this old blanket. He said it was to keep me warm and to remind me of home. And that was the last time I saw him because he'd... Uh, passed away by the time I got back for Christmas, so that is why uh, Blanky means so much to me. Did you just say Blanky? No, I said Blanky. Conversation over. Sam, go. 
This is a picture of the 1994 Nigerian World Cup team. You know, I pledged I wouldn't take this down until I made the team myself. And I still intend to do that. The sun is from a beach in Saint-Barth. This is the first beach where I ever... It's the first beach where I ever slept with a superman. Smile because it happened. Sam and Richard coming at you from both ends of the spectrum there. Appreciate that. A, uh, a girl once said I look like Clive Owen in these sunglasses. I don't think I can do it. Oh, you on, got mate. it, Nate. All right, Give it a toss. Nice. Good Good night. Night. Thank you. Is that today's paper? There's something in there about me as usual, and I'm trying not to care. This is my cat's collar. She was a faithful companion for 20 years. <sighs> Gonna miss you, Cindy Clawford. It's the only pen I can wrap my name with. Case to my Lamborghini. How are you getting home? All right. Everybody go? Yeah. 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 No. I want to go. Is that my first boots or anything? My mum gave him a. She was the one who got me into football in the first place. Her and my dad split up when I was just a, a sexy little baby. <laughs> She's the reason I worked so hard. Just wanted to make her proud. She doesn't even care if I'm any good. Just wants me to be happy. Be a good lad. Once I got good though, my old man started showing up, didn't I? You know, bragging to all his mates every time I scored the goal. Calling me soft if I didn't dominate. You know, and I, and I hated that. So, I made a vow to be so tough that he could never call me soft again. I wonder if sometimes I forget about making her proud. I don't think that she would be lately. Well, gentlemen, what do you say we burn this crap? Maybe we should do this part outside. Yeah. That's a good call. Yeah, that's smart. Okay. Hey, would you guys mind grabbing? Uh, one of the things, if you ever watch the show that I love, is that every character is multifaceted and every character is humanized. So you hate Jamie and then you realize why he is the way he is. How does he join the team again? How does he become part of the fold? How does the one join the 99? It's about laying something down and giving something up. 
And so much of the show is this. It is Rebecca letting go of her anger towards Rupert, letting go of how bitter she is towards her ex-husband. It is Ted Lasso letting his wife go and divorcing, letting her go. He's been holding on so tight. It is about these players having to throw something in. And I believe as lost sheep, one important way we rejoin community in the fold is letting go. And I wonder what God is asking you to let go of. Your bitterness, your insecurity, your pride, the things that keep you afraid and stuck and lost, the inability to ask for help to cry out. What is it that we hold on to that keeps us lost, that keeps us outside the fold, that keeps us outside the team, right? Jamie is finally able to soften. I mean, Ted Lasso gives him enough space, enough grace for him to be vulnerable, for him to show up, to know that he's loved, that he's safe here. And then there's, but if you're going to join, you, you have to live like this. And I believe God is calling each of us in our own ways to let go. What is God calling you to let go of? And how will we rejoin community, rejoin Christ in his pursuit? of love, his pursuit of compassion, of justice. I hope you pray on that, and I hope you think on that, because I really believe this is how the one joins the 99, right? What am I holding on to? What separates me, and what keeps me lost?